Hello and welcome to Your Employment Matters. I'm Beverly Williams and I'm here to help you navigate your career. This is for anyone who's searching for their dream job or promotion, or perhaps you're just looking to hang on to the job you have. Today's work environments are multi-generational, multi-religious, multinational, multiracial, and multi-gender and multi-gender identity. Add market disruptors like Amazon and Lyft, along with the addition of AI, and it's easy to see why finding and keeping a job is such a challenge. Employment success and even employment survival depend on your ability to adapt. That's why my goal for this 30-minute podcast is to first advocate embracing change and differences, and second, to encourage you to proactively assume responsibility for your career. Get your work week off to a good start by listening to Your Employment Matters every Monday. Find out how to own your career and get the best practices for making your employment matter. When considering a career path, don't overlook careers which include building trades, such as carpenters, plumbers, and electricians, or information technology, welding, healthcare, accounting, computer information, logistics, and supply chain management and entertainment technology. Positions in these areas usually require on-the-job, hands-on training acquired through apprenticeship programs and community and technical colleges instead of four-year academic colleges. Vocational programs neither cost as much as academic programs nor take as long to complete. Today, there's been a shift in marketplace demands. Although many of these positions may not be outsourced, most will require levels of skill development beyond high school. Forecast data tells us that there's a real shortage of middle skill level professionals. Before the current pandemic, the housing and real estate industries were recovering. Notably, more workers are retiring from the building trades. Also, the pandemic has shown the need for greater support in the development of healthcare and computer technology professionals to meet future and current demands. My guest today is Dr. Betty Ann Cook of the greater Atlanta, Georgia area. Dr. Cook has served as an executive director for outreach and community engagement at a local technical college and as vice chair of Georgia's State Board of Pardons and Paroles. Dr. Cook is a graduate of Howard University and Atlanta University and has received numerous awards and civic recognition. In fact, a member of Dr. Cook's far-reaching community organization said of her, she is the perfect example of one who shares her time and talents for the good of the community. Welcome, Betty, and thank you for joining us. Thank you very much, uh, Beverly, for having me speak on the topic of workforce development this afternoon. Well, Betty Ann, uh, please give our listeners an abbreviated list of the roles you've held since you graduated from Howard. Thank you. And reflecting over the years, I've had a somewhat of an exciting career that's been quite diverse in both higher education and government. 
I started my career in criminal justice at the Atlanta University Center by teaching courses in criminal justice. Later, I held the position of chair of academic research for the Graduate School of Social Work for 10 years, which is now called Clark Atlanta. My career in government began in 1995 when I was hired as the Deputy Commissioner for Natural Resources for the state of Georgia. Very soon after that, Governor Zell Miller appointed me as Director of the Governor's Office of Highway Safety. And after winning several national awards, uh, he appointed me to serve on the Board of Pardons and Paroles for a seven-year term. Most recently, I retired as the Director for Outreach and Community Engagement at Chattahoochee Technical College, the largest technical college in the state of Georgia. In this position, I served as the liaison between technical colleges and many of the major stakeholders, which are not limited to the employers in our state, the chamber, the politicians, education, civic organizations, military, nonprofits, economic development services, and churches, just to name a few. I list that because each of those entities play a major role in the whole area of workforce development today. In that role, my major responsibility was primarily being responsible for providing leadership necessary to promote economic and skill development in the communities that we serve as an advocate of technical education. Well, Betty Ann, that's a, that's a great deal. You've had a very rewarding and diverse career. But one of the reasons I wanted my listeners to hear from you is because of the diversity of your and breadth of your career, but also because you've worked in in the parole system, which affects ex-offenders, and you've worked in furtherance of community engagement and workforce development. Where do you want to begin? Where do you, what do you want to talk about first? Well, workforce development is a very, very vast topic, but for purposes of our conversation, I'd like just to make it very simple. What do we mean by workforce development in 2020? Basically, it's a strategy that's established now to manage the talent pipeline. In past years, oftentimes, student would decide once they went to college what they might be interested in or the parent would decide and they would do that which they felt might be easy might be comfortable or might be fun or something they were very interested in uh, and then once they graduated there was basically no job for them today well today's marketplace is what we call a workforce on demand driven workforce it means it's constantly changing and what's happening, the employers are finding out they basically don't have the skilled workers in order to be competitive, nor are they efficient, nor do they understand the processes that are necessary for success in the marketplace today. So the shift has changed. It's a personal shift focusing on the individual, but it's being taken in terms of leadership over by the employer. The employer basically defines in partnership with government as well as education, what their needs are, and the three-legged entities, government, employer, and the education sector, they work together in order to develop the strategies necessary to provide 
opportunities for individuals to get the knowledge and the skills necessary to result in an improved workforce and, more importantly, gainful employed employment. Well, how do how do people who need jobs find out about the jobs and the training available? Well, it's a very it's complex, but then it's very simple. Employment needs are regional, so you have to initially identify. What are the opportunities in your marketplace? For example, if we look in the southeastern area where you have a number of individuals retiring, we know that there's a high demand for health care. We know there's a high demand for uh, systems operations because an area like Atlanta has a lot of IT opportunities for very successful high-end payment, but individuals have to be skilled. We have international companies in our community. But these companies require someone who has the efficiency, the process, soft and hard skills necessary to do that. So one-stop shops are oftentimes one of the major ways. But the student now must understand that when they go to college, it's not just to learn. It's to learn for purposes of multiple things. One is employment opportunities. Oh, I see. So if I'm if I'm a um, a young person just graduating from high school, what do I do? What wh- which direction do I go in? How do I find out? Say you're familiar with the with with Georgia as, as the state of Georgia. How would I find out what training is available to me? What steps would I take? to acquire that information, who should I talk to? Could I go to my community activist or my community leader? Or do I go to, uh, do I look online? How do I find these, these resources? Well, first of all, we have to say that in the state of Georgia, they have been a, a strong advocate of the partnership, that three-legged chair I shared with you, of the government, as well as education, as well as the employer, identifying what is necessary. So they have established in many communities today what are called career academies. That is, when you go into high school, because I don't like to think this is a late time, but high school, if you're graduating from high school, oftentimes it's a little late for you to start thinking about your career. You need to think about your career much earlier because the courses that you take in high school can provide opportunities for you to get employment while you're in high school, to get the certifications that are available as well as to get the beginning training to think about the focus in terms of high-demand careers. The career change from the time a person starts high school four years later, the market may be substantially different with nanotechnology and things of that sort. Markets are going to change. We can see this shift since we just had this pandemic where we're having online courses for preschoolers as well as for persons from preschool all the way through college. Operations are virtual now, so our markets can shift very rapidly. That's why in terms of looking at projections of education, the the hot markets of skill training in high school are to ensure that you have a strong foundation in your STEM areas, because those areas will allow for the ever-changing job markets. But if you do wait through high school, then you need to look and see what are the top hiring jobs. And you can Google it for the state 
that you live in. Where are job opportunities? And then you also may want to look at what are they paying because you may be interested in the job, but will it substantially afford the kind of lifestyle that you define that you want? Because sometimes things may be great for applications, but not necessarily for careers in the markets that we're looking at today. That's a, you know, th that's a good point, Betty Ann. And, you know, quite frankly, as I think about it, I know that you're right about thinking uh, and making a decision about your career. It doesn't have to be cast in stone. It doesn't mean that you can't change it, let change your mind later. But it is helpful whether you're in uh, you're pursuing a, a, a vocational career or you're a, a more prof a professional career, like a doctor. You need to know with some not certainty, but with some because you're passionate about it or because you think you'll be good at it and you'll do well in it and you'll be able to take care of yourself. You need to think sooner rather than later about the path, the course that you should take to achieve that goal. If you find during the course of your training, whether it's in high school as a as a sophomore or a junior, or if it's it, later on as a senior, you don't like what you're what you've selected, you're always free to change your your the direction of your your studies and your training. Nothing is cast in stone. But you want to think, you want to think carefully, I think is the best word I can think of, about what you might want to do as an adult in your future. That I think you're 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 it was it was wise of you to point that out. We're not starting soon enough. You know, I like to think in terms of Young children, elementary children, not what do you want to be when you grow up, but how many different things can you think of that you would like to be? And then fine tune that list and even have more than one career simultaneously because multiple income, income streams are one of the essentials in the 21st century, in my opinion. Well, it's definitely true because what we find is that Many students today who are attending technical colleges are students who are taking what we call the last mile of their educational endeavors. That last mile means that they were successful in graduating from a four-year institution, but they did not have a skill that was marketable for the workplace today. So then they come back into the technical arena and they get a, quote, skill that will allow them opportunities with their degree, but the skill is what gets them a job. Well, especially in the building trades area, you know, anyone who owns a home knows how exp expensive the hourly rate is for uh, plumbers and electricians. I mean, don't let the water uh, heater go or and flood the, the, the basement. You have to call a plumber to take care of that, and it's an emergency situation. You're not in a position to negotiate the price. Oh, I, I would tell folks if they begin to compare what are the starting salaries for good, now I'm talking about good, persons who are in the technical arenas today, in many cases, there's far surpassing starting salaries for many of what we call traditional professional degrees. Now, I am in support of 
being educated with a four-year degree. And we should note to you that that three-legged prong in Georgia of the, gover of the government uh, in terms of putting together the right policies, education, and the worker has changed. At one time, when you went to a, quote, technical or vocational school, the end job, the end purpose was to get a, quote, job. And so there was no transferability in the traditional sense of articulation agreements and things like that. That's no longer the case. In the state of Georgia, our technical colleges offer the same courses that our state colleges requiring that the syllabi, the content, everything has to match so that there are automatic articulation agreements between our particular technical colleges and approved articulations between state schools and then many uh, private institutions as well. So therefore, our concept in learning now is lifelong. It's no longer where the focus was on teaching. That model again has changed because students are very advanced now with technology so they can teach or YouTube can teach and there are other centers for teaching. Now the quality of success is not how good the teacher is but how much the learner understands using a certain methodology. That being said, businesses like the IT firms, etc., they want certifications because that is evidence that you are recent in terms of what are the current new trends or the ones that are marketable today. And so in addition to having, as we stated, the four-year degree, et cetera, the more you have in terms of certifications like nursing, et cetera, that now gives an added value to you as a potential employee for that organization. You know, I absolutely agree with that. And and now, given that we're all on lockdown, so to speak, and trying to remain safe and, and healthy for ourselves and our loved ones, this is an opportunity to do some research, online research, to determine whether there are certifications that you might acquire while you're uh, staying at home. Oh, without question. And there are many that, Again, some are free in terms of opportunities, in terms of training, etc. But what you want to be assured of is that when you do go into some of these programs, vocational, etc., that you research it and make sure that they are accredited by the entity in terms of the employer, if especially one of these that require a certain type of certification as opposed to just one that costs a lot of money because the cost necessarily doesn't indicate the quality of the program, nor does it uh, indicate the validation of your certificate once you go into certain markets. No, I agree with that. And I think that's the, that's a, that's a cautionary tale or cautionary uh, words for uh, online four-year degrees and uh, graduate degrees before you spend your money on such such training, make sure it's uh, highly regarded and valued in the industry in which you work or you want to work. Getting a, a, a master's, an online master's from an institution that's not highly regarded may be a waste of your money. And likewise for technical schools. But 
the states usually have communities and technical schools, and and that training is usually more reasonably priced for in-state residents. Oh, without question. It definitely is a bargain, and it's a bargain with a bonus because when you're attending a technical college, if, in fact, you graduate with your diploma, certificate, or degree, and you go to the workforce and you do not meet the standards of the workforce in Georgia, we afford what we call a warranty. And that warranty is basically that that individual student can come back at the state's cost to make sure that person has all the necessary skills and knowledge that are required for that respective degree, diploma, or certificate. And it's at no charge to the student or the employer. Oh, that's great. That I think that's the first time I've ever heard of a program like that. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely one that is centered around quality because we we want our workers and we work closely when we talk about workforce development. Workforce development is a very interconnected type of opportunity in our state. You work closely with the chambers. You work closely with your school systems. You work closely with your political arenas. And when we talk about some of the other types of initiatives that are offered, for example, where there are what we call high-demand careers in the state of Georgia, your tuition basically for the most part, maybe except for student fees, is paid for by the state. Because they want to ensure that they have enough welders. They want to ensure they have enough truck drivers. They want to ensure that they have enough of what they consider critical. Now, there may be an area like nursing. Okay, it's so competitive in our nursing markets for the number of slots we have for our RN programs, as well as practical nursing, that at Chattahoochee, you may have to pay more, but not more money, but, you know, you, you may not be all free. But in some of our healthcare, arena, sur- surgical tech, et cetera, the classes are small, the certifications are high, the pass rate, and that's another thing that you want to look at when you select an institution. Not just how much it costs, but how well do the students do? Again, it's student outcome. It's all about the outcomes. And our pass rate is, is something between 98 to maybe 99% at Chattahoochee. Wow, that's great. When you, for our nursing program, let me qualify that. There's, well, yes. when you refer to chambers in, in the state of Georgia, you're referring to chambers of commerce, is that correct? Thank you. Yes, the Chamber of Commerce. Okay, I just wanted to make sure that that was clear for our listeners. Yeah, in Cobb County, our chamber works very close with our technical education. Matter of fact, the chamber has education advisory committees. The chamber has diversity committees. The chamber has the military component. The chamber has multiple components in our this particular county uh, because they want to ensure that the technical colleges, the four-year colleges, all of these are providing the education that's necessary for the quality of the workforce because you know, that's what pulls people into your community, and that's what sustains your community. We, they want the international markets to be here. They want companies from all over the world to locate their business here, to move from other areas to this community. So what they have to sell is that there's a workforce 
there's an education system from K through 12. There's a technical system for those who need the skill levels of enhancement. And there's, a, you know, there's, a, again, the post-secondary high level of education that's afforded. Because, again, we consider our component of technical education just one component. But we strongly encourage folks to continue because learning is a lifelong process. Absolutely. Well, let me ask you this. We haven't touched on ex-offenders yet. Is the, is, is the plan for them or the approach for them any different than it would be from a, a graduating high school senior? Uh, yes. It, there are some things that are very important for them to be aware of as relates to the marketplace. The marketplace is open to an extent for some types of offenders, but the bottom line is in recent research in terms of economic employment, etc., the labor force realizes that the greatest untapped source for those who are and can come into our marketplace are people with criminal records. So they're realized in terms of their potential, and there is a movement underway across the country, actually, to give former felons, as well as people with other types of uh, mis- records, arrest records even, which is not a conviction, which is different, but it does affect you sometimes when it, you do have a criminal background check, the equal opportunity to get the, uh, a job. Uh, but now there are certain things that we have to be aware of that are going to make a difference in terms of what an employer may or may not do. Uh, The reality is that an employer has to look at the applicant in a non-discriminatory manner, but there has to be a match sometimes with skills, but then there's also an avoidance with certain types of offenders up front. The major one is a sexual offender. Now, there are certain types of jobs sexual offenders can get, but in the general marketplace, uh, you would not necessarily hire them to work in school systems and certain other places. That uh, uh, it's going to be difficult for you to work at a bank or work in certain environments if you've had a record with what they call integrity crimes. Uh, it's more difficult. There are places you can work, but it's going to have to be a match initially, and then fraud. Uh, those are some of the types of crimes that can be a little bit more difficult to get. And then there are certain areas that uh, licensing is not going to be available, and it varies by your community. But that is something that individuals would need to look into before they you know, started taking a course of study, because, again, it's just a reality that we have to look at. But when we look at the what we call the jail to the job opportunities, it's opening up and it's getting brighter every day. But there's certain things that you have to be aware of and you have to be good at. The first thing is you have to have a resume. We always think about that. But now, where do you get a resume if you've just been released and you know you don't have computers, you don't have computer skills? Or if you have computer skills, a good resume, what do you have to have included in it? Well, we have what's called, with the Department of Labor in Georgia, the uh, one-stop shop operations. And in partnership with 
individuals who are, you know, looking for employment across the board or ex-offenders. There are counselors and there are resources there that can avail them of opportunities. Now, looking for a job in terms of how do you look for those jobs that hire ex-offenders, there are, you know, references going on to I Got a Job YouTubes, looking at the Googles, who hires, it comes up immediately. But again, you may say, well, I'm not interested in that. That question is, is what knowledge and skill do you have that you can problem solve? You have to ask yourself that question. What can you do that meets market demands? So again, you have to look at market demands and then you have to see whether or not your skill level will match that. If it matches it, then we will tell you that employers are telling us today that ex-offenders are some of their best employees. You have a job, but we will also tell you that sometimes for certain types of offenders, the smaller business might be the best start out opportunity for you versus some of your larger uh, businesses. But places like in warehousing, et cetera, Home Depot, Lowe's, the Apple, et cetera. I mean, they're going to hire Papa John's. They're going to hire you. But if you want to get into the markets that are IT, et cetera, you're going to have to have the skills that are required in order to meet the position's definition of what the job description says. Betty Ann, you're just a font of information, just a wealth of information. We're going to have to have you back because you have more to tell us and we've run out of time. Will you come back? I'd be very happy to. And we'd be very happy to have you. Thank you so much for all of that you've shared. I'm sure that there are people who are listening, even if they're not, they don't hear anything that applies to them or might benefit them. I'm sure that they know someone who can use the information that you provided. Thank you so much for taking the time to spend with us today. And I'm going to take you up on your commitment to come back. Expect a call from me. Thank you so much for having me. And if we can serve, we'll be very happy to. And congratulations on all the things that you've done in order to make working and getting a job uh, possible for so many. Thank you, Betty Ann. That's very kind of you. Thanks for listening to Your Employment Matters with Beverly Williams. If you found this podcast helpful, please subscribe and leave a review. I truly appreciate your support and that helps other listeners find the podcast. If you have a comment, question, or suggestion, you can reach me at bawilliams at youremploymentmatters.com. My book, Get the Job Done, is available on amazon.com and barnesandnoble.com. Please join me again next week. Until then, remember to embrace change and differences. This podcast is part of the Sound Advice FM network. Sound Advice FM, women's voices amplified.